Have you ever heard that comparison is the thief of joy? If you need to find joy, you probably lost it in the comparison trap because a lie you believe becomes truth to you. So let's dismantle some bad beliefs right now with Pastor Mike Signorelli. Get ready to take notes and share this podcast with a friend. This message is called The Five Lies of Comparison. Well, hey, welcome to the live stream. Welcome watch parties. Welcome everybody watching around the world. My name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church. And you are family if you clicked into that button and you started watching for at least 30 seconds. The threshold of like family or not family is 30 seconds of viewership. So welcome. And uh, we're gonna jump in today. I've got this new series. I'm like really, really excited to kick off because I know you need help in this area. Have you ever compared yourself to someone else and has that caused you to become a little emo has has it like really affected you to compare yourself to somebody else I feel like right now people are going through hard times and we're looking through our window into other people's worlds and we're comparing ourselves and it's really causing things to break down and so if you have been trapped in the comparison trap I'm about to help you get free as we start this series. Come on, so get your notepad out, get your Bibles out, get ready to learn. I've got a lot for you today. As a matter of fact, I'm just gonna say it from the jump. This message is entitled, The Five Lies of Comparison. It's gonna be good, The Five Lies of Comparison. And so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write down the first one. The first lie of comparison is this, you are not good enough. Oh, it's gonna be like that. I'm gonna do some surgery. I'm gonna go in and try to deal with some things that the Lord's been wanting to deal with in your life. And I know that right now, especially during these times, you're scrolling through your phone and you look at other people's lives and you say, you know what, here's the first lie. I'm not good enough. I'm just not good enough. That's why I'm not going viral. That's why I'm not in a relationship. That's why things aren't working out. I'm just not good enough. And full transparency, comparison was the trap that the enemy laid out for me. And it worked on me for years and years. I lost years of my life, my ministry life because of comparison. I lost years in my marriage because of comparison. I mean, this is gonna be a vulnerable message, but I'm just telling you straight up, I've had to pray that God would accelerate lost time because I lost a lot of time in comparison. And I'm I'm telling you, it was funny because when the Holy Spirit was stirring this in my heart, I got excited because I said, oh, wait wait a second, Lord, I've never been able to preach on comparison because I've never been free from it. And he was like, come on, son, it's time. I've waited a long time to preach on comparison because this was the thing. This was the trap that I was, that I was caught in for years and years. So number one, the number one lie is you're just not good enough. You're just not good enough. I wanna read you what God has to say in response to that lie. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. Shout out to everybody who knows the obscure passages. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. Listen, he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with his singing. Now, That scripture, I read it a little too fast for somebody for you to get it into your spirit. I want you to hear it again. He's mighty to save. This is God. And he's he's speaking to you. He's revealing his nature concerning you. It says he, he takes great delight in you. Isn't it funny how God loves you in a ways that you don't love you? 
Isn't it funny that he takes delight in you even if you don't take delight in yourself? And see, when you are comparing yourself to other people, the number one lie that you will believe is you're not good enough. But see, God will respond to you and say, wait a second, you don't think you're good enough, but I'm delighting in you. Yeah, you, with your mess, with your funk, with all of your screw-ups, with your attitudes, he delights in you. Now listen, and he says he will quiet you with his love. You know, I've noticed that a lot of people are tortured by their own thoughts and the thoughts of their own conscience are so loud that they can barely make it through a day. You know, neuroscience tells us that we think over 80,000 negative thoughts a day. And so it's just like we quote scripture maybe once a day, but our mind quotes the demonic doctrine of you are not good enough over 80,000 times a day. And so it's like, well, maybe I'll tune into V1 Church. Maybe I'll show up today. It's like, no, listen, this is like your lifeline. Like you need to hear this to cut through all 80,000 lives, but I got a sword of the spirit that's sharper than any other sword. And the word of God will divide asunder even soul from spirit. In other words, it'll, it'll make a divide between the cancer of your negativity that's in your soul. And then the spirit will begin to bring truth. And Zephaniah says, God delights in you. Listen, you got friends that don't delight in you. You got spouses that don't delight in you. You've got bosses that you don't even know if they like you, even though they hired you. But God, the God of the universe, are you hearing me? He delights in you. It's so hard to even believe that. But it's, it's true because it's his word. Lie number two, you still flowing with me? Lie number two is this. You don't have enough money. That's the lie of comparison. You don't have enough money. Well, if you want to make a little note under that note, so you're writing down lie number two. The lie number two of comparison is you don't have enough money. Can I tell you a secret? They don't have enough money either. <laughs> They've got a lot of debt. <laughs> they look like they got a lot of money. You want me to tell you another secret? It's fake. <laughs> it's, it's, they bought it. They literally bought it off the internet and somebody made that logo in their basement and then glued it on. <laughs> and so you look at people and you're like, man, they've got to be, and listen, I pastor a lot of people. They tell me their deep, deepest, darkest secrets. So I'm going to like just bring them out for all of us, for all, our own healing. Um, everybody struggling financially. And I've, I know people who have millions, but it's a million in and a million out and they're still broke. And you're looking at them like, man, if I could have that much money, but none of that money's theirs. <laughs> it just comes through them. More money comes through their account. But see, many times we judge people and we say, well, I just could, I could be more successful if I just had more money. Well, guess what? They don't have that money either. <laughs> that will set you free. I remember when I was launching V1 Church in New York, you know, I was hearing all these stories of churches getting funded at a quarter of a million dollars and big ministries pouring into church planters. And, and like I said, it took me like four years to finally deserve the authority and the right to even preach this message because I was caught in the comparison trap and I was saying, yeah, you know what, God, it's so unfair. You know, I came out here on a wing and a prayer. I duct tape in a dream was how we planted V1 Church. And, and, you know, and I remember thinking like, man, if I only had the resources and the finances that, but guess what? I've been here in New York for the last four years. Matter of fact, V1 Church is going to officially hit our four, four year birthday this April. So we haven't even hit four years yet. But in just the short time that we've been around, I have watched many of the church planners and pastors that were significantly more funded. Don't even, they, their ministry doesn't even exist. And so what, when you're in that comparison game, 
You could be caught in that trap and the Lord's saying, listen, it's they, that, what's your source? See, your job provides income, but God better be your source. You know what I'm saying? You can have a multinational organization plant your church, but if the Lord hasn't anointed it, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Money doesn't equal ministry if you are designed and destined for ministry. You know what I'm saying? And so people have this trap that they believe. And, you know, I need more money. Here's number three. You should have already been successful. Oh, and so you watch people and you look at their life and you're, you always, this is the thing. I've talked to people from every age bracket. So teenagers, I recently uh, spoke at a youth event and it was hilarious because I was so out of touch with like their, their world right now. But I talked to teenagers and teenagers feel like they've already missed it. Well, Pastor Mike, you understand like I didn't get into like the, I didn't get into JV. Like I didn't get into, you know, they're like literally telling, oh, the, the schools are already scouting people and I missed it. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you are 15 years old and you already felt like you should be successful by now. And it's crazy. Then people in their 20s, people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, this feeling, number three, is the comparison trap that says, hey, you should have already been successful and you missed it because you're not. And that's a lie from the enemy because see, to God, what does he do? He accelerates time. And the other thing he does is he defines success differently than we define success. And so you could be saying, well, I'm not successful. Or you could say, man, I've avoided a whole bunch of landmine relationships that I shouldn't have been in. You know, there's two ways to look at whatever situation you're in. And when you, if you want to take your leg out of that comparison trap, you have got to deny that version of success, you've got to push back on it and be like, wait a second, I'm gonna come into my time when it's supposed to be my time. I did a broadcast a couple of months ago like as the weather was just beginning to change and I talked about becoming coming into a season of late bloomers. And it's funny because I was going around and looking at the different plants and there's some that had displayed their bulb very early on in the season and already were dying. And yet there were others that had ripened and just started to bloom. You know. Sometimes God will, will cause you to be a late bloomer. There will be a success that comes into your life. There will be things that you're known for that you don't even do right now that will be your epitaph and your legacy before you die. I mean, Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber, but nobody knows that because he had such a significant global healing ministry before he died, but it didn't start till he retired. He was retired, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's known for his healing and traveling ministry even though for the entire duration of his life, he was a plumber. And so you, you might be a late bloomer. And if you believe the lie that you're not successful yet, you may miss out on your entire destiny that God has for you because you're cursing the season of being a plumber, not realizing. You think about this. Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. He was mainly a carpenter. Do you remember him as a carpenter? You remember him as the savior of the world. So sometimes God will have you through a long season of preparation for a quick work that changes the world. And the whole, and are you gonna spend the entire time in your preparation season cursing the God who's saying, listen, if you would get with the program, I'm gonna use you to change the world. One day of God's purpose will change your entire legacy if you spent your entire life doing something else. 
And so here's the next lie. Are you getting something out of this? Drop a comment right now. Let me know. Give me an amen. Give me some flame emojis. Share this broadcast so so many more people can see it because I know that the trap of comparison is robbing God's people of their true design. Because you're different by design. And God's got you. I was thinking about this before I go to the next one. And I was thinking about how Mike Tyson has a lisp. Like if you listen to Mike Tyson talk, he has a lisp. But that lisp didn't stop him from winning multiple titles. I was thinking about how the things that we're insecure about. See, if he would have compared himself to other people, he'd say, yeah, well, I'm not that eloquent in terms of my lisp. But see, there was a, he was a boxer. And, and actually, he does a lot of talking as a boxer nowadays. But see, what happens is before you've accomplished your destiny, it, be, it feels like a liability. But then afterwards, it's a cork. You go from insecurity to iconic. And see, sometimes it just takes like, it takes you getting successful to realize the thing you don't like about yourself is gonna be the thing that people like the most about you. Because they say, oh yeah, that's kind of, it's the way he, see, I'm telling you, it's by God's design. Michael Jordan tried to hang on to his hair for as long as he could. But then as a bald man, he won six championships. I'm in good company. You know what I'm trying to say? And then guess what? Everybody who still had hair started literally shaving their head because they wanna be like Mike. And see, first it starts out as an insecurity, then it can become iconic if you will become successful. And see, some of the things that you say, I don't like about yourself, it's like, man, that could be your quirk that everybody tries to emulate if you will stop comparing yourself to people that are lesser than what God called you to. Let me go on to the next one. Number four. And this is the one that probably Julie and I said all the time. We went to every marriage conference. We went to every church and ministry and met all these people. And we would just look around and say, you know what, Julie, here's the truth. We are just too dysfunctional. And we believe the lie, number four, as we would compare ourselves to other pastors, as we would compare ourselves, we would say, we're just too dysfunctional. They don't break stuff like I break stuff. They don't yell. They don't leave like I leave. They don't, they don't scream like we scream. They don't cuss like we cuss. Like, we, am I being too real for you watching right now? Like, I'm trying to help somebody. And sometimes you need somebody to be vulnerable, to be like, okay, I'm telling everybody secrets. The lie is, well, I'm just too dysfunctional. And I could never sustain that level of success being what God's called me to be because I am more dysfunctional than them. But can I also tell everybody else's secret? We all have our own dysfunction. We all have our own thing that we struggle with. We all, listen, you follow enough pastors around long enough, you're gonna hear them yell at each other. You're gonna hear the arguments. The person that you're idolizing, the person that you're comparing yourself to and saying, well, that's the standard that proves that I can't be successful because I'm too dysfunctional for that. They've got their own dysfunction. I can't tell you how many times, especially as I've grown in the last couple of years of my journey where people have entrusted me with information and said, hey, Pastor Mike, you know, and they begin to divulge their own situation. I'm like, wow, because from the outside looking in, man, your teeth are glowing white and straight. You've got a brand new car. You've got a brand new house that you just remodeled and moved into. Like I never in a million years would have thought that you have a house, but you don't have a healthy home. Never would have thought. 
but sometimes it helps, and that's why we, we do this every week. We come together as a church, and we say, let's have a family talk. Let's talk about dysfunction. Let's talk about how everybody's dealing with the same thing, and that comparison trap. I used to literally think to myself, there is no, they don't come from where I come from. They don't struggle with what I struggle with, and they're not as dysfunctional as I am, and so I'll never be like them. They'll never be like me. I'm just going to have to be in this position. Is it helping anybody that I'm getting this vulnerable? Number five is this. This is my last one. These, these are the five lies of comparison. The fifth lie is simply this. No one understands you. I know that I have said that phrase over and over and over again. Nobody understands me. You don't get me. You don't get where I come from. You don't get my life. You don't get what I've had to suffer through. You don't understand my pain. And there's something inside of us that all says you don't get me. The truth of the matter is, I'm just gonna tell you straight up because I'm trying to pastor you and shepherd you through this message today. The truth is, truly, no one is ever going to completely understand you. You're gonna have to walk some things alone. You're gonna have to do it misunderstood. And I know that there's this moment where we're all like, but I got my best friend. You know, he, you know how you become best friends with someone? Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, oh, I, I thought I was the only one. Ah, you like that too? That's how you become best friends. But see, there's gonna be some times where nobody does understand you because you're an original, because you're unique. You know, I was thinking about my wife and uh, she gave childbirth twice, but that second time she was like, I wanna do it unmedicated, no pain pills, no, no, nothing, no needles, nothing. Like I'm going all natural. And as she was going through, you know, that, that experience, I remember thinking about how much I learned about the role of the Holy Spirit in my life because it was funny. And I, and I was thinking back, it's like a crazy situation. I'm holding my wife's hand as she is pushing a human being. And because there's kids watching, I won't take this any further um, because maybe there's some stork families watching right now or whatever. But she is going through excruciating pain. I've learned that these have become family experiences. And I've, I've, had, I've said some dumb things. I'm growing right in front of you. But listen, you know, she's literally in the excruciating pain of labor and I could do nothing but hold her hand. And I thought about that and how that becomes our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where sometimes he says, Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving, I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna be with my father, but I'm sending another. It, actually, it's good that I go away. And, and sometimes in my life, when I've desperately wanted to see a physical Messiah in front of me, I'm like, how is it better that Jesus is gone? Well, it, there's another one, and his name's the Holy Spirit, and primarily he will comfort you. But I was thinking about how comfort is not a synonym for anesthesia. <laughs> yeah. Comfort is not a synonym for the complete and total removal of pain. Because when I was holding my wife's hand, I realized this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like all I can do is comfort her while she feels the pain. All I can do is comfort her while she pushes out the promise of another tomorrow, that the legacy of our family will continue on the other side of this pain. And for many of you watching the Holy Spirit, his role is to comfort you through the pain. And guess what? You're saying, well, I compare myself to other people. They're not as dysfunctional as me. They're not as messed up as me. They don't get me. They've got more money than me. And they're, you know, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I don't have it. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to take you by the hand right now as you push through the pain 
to the promise of your tomorrow, of your purpose. And all sometimes we're saying, well, I want to be understood. Stop killing your destiny on the altar of being understood. Stop sacrificing your life's purpose at the idolatry of being understood. Guess what? When you do it anyways, when you say, I'm not, I'm not here to be understood, I'm here to advance the cause. I'm here to be a light in the darkness. See, in, in other eras, there, men and women had to make a decision to stop being misunderstood and to start being effective. Martin Luther King's like, hey, there's a lot of racist people in America who are not gonna understand why we peaceably protest, but I stopped wanting to be understood and I wanna be effective now because we've gotta reform culture. When the kingdom of heaven comes and reforms culture, there's some times where you tell your friends, hey man, sobriety doesn't make sense to all of y'all because you don't know how to face the pain of life head on, but I don't wanna be understood by you anymore. I'm here to go to the next level. And see, for me, comparison was my, my reason to make excuses. You know what happened? Can I just really be vulnerable? Do I have your guys' permission to go there? When I first got to New York, a lot of the pastors that I met, they're stuck in this comparison trap. And they even use this comparison trap as a reason to justify why a move of God couldn't happen in this region. And they'd say, well, when I compare myself, I'm doing all right. When I compare myself against this person and he compares, like they all sort of came together and said, well, this place is hard. So, so the church is not gonna grow the way it grows. We're not gonna have disciples the way, and it's not gonna be, revival will happen someone else, somewhere else by someone else. But this comparison said, yeah, in the Bible Belt, they have more money. It's expensive here in New York. See, how, see what the comparison trap does? It violates the impossible. It violates the miraculous. And see, the thing is, it was David who looked at the, at the giant and said, hey, I know you guys are still playing the comparison game and you're, you're a, a seasoned war general comparing with another seasoned war general. And because you both agree that it's impossible, you're just standing here and doing nothing while that uncircumcised Philistine is shaming the armies of the Lord. Who's gonna believe something different? Who's gonna break the comparison trap? It was the 12 spies that went out, but two of them came back wholeheartedly and said, wait, the, the grapes are huge. You guys keep talking about how big the giants are, but have you talked about the provision? I looked at New York and I said, there's 10 million people who need Jesus there. It's the greatest place to be. If you're, if you're trying to harvest, you wanna to go to the pond with a lot of fish or a little, over half a million residents have left New York and I'm trying to get in because I wanna be where the people are. See, it's like when you're playing the comparison game, you are literally violating the miraculous. Because when you say, now watch this, here's a gospel message. When you say, I'm not good enough, do you want to know the other side of that sentence when you believe in the gospel? But he makes me, he makes me good. The truth is I'm not good enough, but the gospel declares that when you bring me filthy rags of your own effort, I clothe you in my own righteousness. Listen, here's the truth. I don't have enough money. It's true. 
And God says, good, because when I tell you to open the fish's mouth and you take out a supernatural provision of coins from the fish's mouth, I'll get the credit for what happens next. You're right. I didn't ask you to check your bank account when I called you. I told you that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. It's true. Here's another one. You should have already been successful. By whose standard? As soon as you say yes to Jesus, by God's standard, you're a success. You are a son or a daughter of the King. You made it. If it's the last prayer that you breathe as you die, you died a success because you belong to the King. He conquered it all. Let me give you another one. I'm just too dysfunctional. Let me finish the sentence for you. And that's gonna prove why we have this mystery and these jars of clay that when you see my brokenness, it puts on display the light of Jesus Christ. Even my dysfunction becomes an asset and not a liability in the kingdom. And here's the last one. No one understands me. The Holy Spirit's holding your hand right now and saying no one ever will because God didn't call you to be a duplicate. He called you to be an original. And if you want to be an original, it means no one else is ever going to truly understand you. But Jesus is declaring, but I came and suffered in every way. I was tempted in every way. And this is what I say. You are my child. John 1.12. I am beloved and I'm a son or a daughter. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. He declares these I am messages. I am deeply cherished and loved. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. I am completely forgiven. That's 1 John 1 9. I have been made new. That is 2 Corinthians 5 17. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. That's 1 Corinthians 6 19. I am free from any condemning charges against me. That's Romans chapter 8 verse 1 through 2. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. 1 Corinthians 1 21. I am God's work of art created for good works and I ain't trying to be like nobody else because to try to even be like somebody else would be an insult to God who called me here. I've got a fingerprint that's different by design and I'm not going to try to preach like nobody else. I'm not going to try to play and sing like nobody else. I'm not going to try to emulate because I would cheapen my destiny through emulation. God, I am who you say I am. I wish somebody would jump up off their couch. I wish somebody would jump up out of a hospital bed and freak your nurses out. This is a freedom moment from the comparison trap. Now we're gonna begin to sing a song right now. And as, we, as Kiel begins to help us declare this, there's gonna come a moment where you've gotta decide, am I gonna burn with jealousy as I'm scrolling through my feed? Am I gonna burn with addictions as I try to somehow satiate these, the pain that I feel in my life, or am I gonna burn for you, Jesus? What am I gonna burn with? Am I gonna burn with the passions and the desires of this world, or am I gonna burn for Jesus? So I want you to begin to sing this out now. I know that message hit hard today. At V1 Church, we want you to become what you were created for. Go to our website at v1.church or download the free V1 Church app. And please consider supporting V1 Church financially. Now I'm going to go back and listen to this message again.